But what's he like? All right, this happened one day. John chapter 14, verse eight. Philip said to Jesus, show us the father. Now that could also be translated, what's God like? So this guy says to Jesus, guess why you would ask Jesus, tell me what God's like? Because they, apparently this guy knows him. I mean, you don't raise the dead and not know God. Are you with me? So they've been, then they ask him, tell us about God. Show us the father. And uh, Jesus answered him with one of the most unusual answers. Look what Jesus said to him, verse nine. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you don't know me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Now, the crazy thing about this is this guy, Philip, had been walking with him for two years. Two years he'd been right beside this man. And he's sort of getting this notion that I think this guy might know who God is. So he says to him, what's God like? And Jesus looks at him and says, he's been standing beside you for two years and you didn't know it. How could God stand beside you for two years and you not know it? What's the obvious answer? Well, apparently you thought a little different than he really is. Do you hear what I just said? You thought a little different than how he really is. All right, let me get, let's go. Let's dig a little deeper now here with you. Some of, many of you have been to church for a while. You've, maybe some of you have read the Bible. You've heard preachers or whatever. So you got this concept of who God is. How do you know it's accurate? How do you know it's correct? You say, well, I just know it is. Well, I'm asking you, how do you know? How do you know what you think is right? What if you, what if you have you ever met, let me say it this way. You ever met somebody and didn't, or you maybe didn't meet them yet, but there was somebody and you didn't like them? I know you're not going to answer that. But you got to know them and all of a sudden you thought, man, these are great people. I've done that a couple of times. Years ago, uh, a little country preacher, a little country church, and I had some folks in my church and they were just adored this preacher that was on TV. They were all jacked up. That's all they talked about. And they loved him dearly. And they were just always talking about this preacher. Well, they were, how can I say this? They were mean as the devil. I mean, they were just mean people, critical, unkind, unchristlike. And uh, let, me, let, let me tell you what I did. I didn't like him either because of them. Are you with me? Bad followers, bad leader. Y'all ever done that before? You meet, meet a group of people and they're jacked up about somebody and they're so mean you don't like him either. Well, as chance would have it, I had to be in a meeting with this guy and got to know him, became friends with him. He's great. I was shocked. I said, I said you're a nice guy. You need to have a talk to your followers. I said, they are not representing you well. How many people have got this sour taste of the living God because they met a Christian? You understand that? All right, so what we're trying to do here, these guys are trying to figure out what, what's God like? And everybody should try to figure out what God's like. You know why? Guess why? You're going to stand in front of him one day. And we need him now. So Jesus answers and he says, I'm him. Right, does anybody know why Jesus came to this earth? Jesus came to this earth to show us what the Father's like. Can I put it in a language you can understand according to John chapter one? Church boogered it up so bad, so he just came down here himself to straighten it out. I'm, that's the only way I know to say it. Church boogered the, what God is like up so bad that he just walked down here and said, never mind them, here I am. Look at me. And he came to reveal who the Father is and to reveal what God is like. The more Christians I talk to, and I love to talk to people, the more I find out people have got a wrong perception. 
My job in life is to help people know what God is like and to bring them close to him. That's why Jesus came to this earth to show us how wonderful he is. All right, I'm gonna give you six pictures this morning that blow up what we thought he was like. Uh, We could do this in several places, but let's turn to Luke chapter 15. Six pictures, revelations, whatever you wanna call them. Now I want you to do something for me. Um, It's not that our opinions are the same. I'm gonna talk to you out of the Bible this morning. I want you to do something for me this morning. I want you to take what I show you in the Bible and I want you to hold it up against what you think. And can we agree, let's agree on something right here. If what the Bible shows me different than what I thought, I'm changing what I think. I I better say that again. If what I see in the Bible is different than what I've been taught, I'm changing what I think. Are you with me? And I'm not going to twist it. I'm not going to booger it. I'm going to be very, you're going to see what I'm saying right here. All right. Jesus came to reveal what the father's like. I've spent my life. I don't, I don't spend my time learning how to grow a church or do ministry. I've spent my life chasing God. I am fascinated by this man called God. I I just seek him all the time. I want to know what he's like. I I read everything. I got one great book on him. I read it a lot. I've spent my life running after God. I want to know what he's like. I don't know if he did that in me or I'm weird or what. But in Luke chapter 15 is a picture of this. I want you to see this. This just shocked me years ago. Luke 15, one, all the tax collectors and the sinners, Luke 15, one, the sinners drew near to Jesus to listen to him. I said, get out of here. All the sinners in a town were fighting to sit beside God. I didn't think sinners wanted to be around God. I listen to me. What is it about this God right here that every sinner in town was fighting to sit beside him? What is it about this man that's so attractive to wicked people? You'd be surprised what happens to people when they find out I'm just a preacher. I've cleaned many a chair out just saying I'm Reverend so-and-so. People, people act weird when they're around me. I don't know what the deal is. And a lot of people just leave when they find out who I am. Got this rejection complex going on if it weren't for Jesus healing it. But in this town, God shows up and every hooker, crook, thief is fighting to be close to him. That tells you something about God? All right, now let's learn about preachers. Verse two. And the men of Pharisees and scribes, who are just ministers, complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. How do you know they're preachers? Got the word complaining there. They're complaining. That's how you know they're preachers. <laughs> all right, I want you, all right, we're, we're outdoors. There's an outdoor cafe. God is sitting, listen, you say, well, you're talking about Jesus. Friend, Jesus is God. Jesus created the heavens and the earth. The only reason you exist is because that man right there wanted you to be here. He created you. He runs the universe. And now he's in a bodily form and he's sitting at this outdoor table or whatever and there's hundreds of people around him and they they don't eat. They just want to be near him. And the preachers see this thing and they go, what kind of preacher would let them wicked people be around him? So what does this tell me? The preachers don't even know what he's like. Can you see it clearly? And they're complaining because this God likes to be around bad people. I'm going with the Bible. All right, let me teach you something. Watch this next verse. The first word is so. So means because preachers don't understand why God wants to be around bad people, I'm gonna help you understand it. So he tells them this parable. Now, Jesus speaks in parables. They're pictures that we get truth out of. And now remember, why is Jesus telling these parables? Because preachers don't know what God is like. Can you see that clearly? So he tells these parables to help people understand what God is like. Six things we learn. All right, here's the first one. 
I love this. Read with me verse four. What man of you had a hundred sheep, if he loses one, doesn't leave the 99 in the wilderness, go after the one that's lost till he finds it. What's the answer? All right, none of, how many of you got a hundred sheep? Not our culture. Our neighbors have got some sheep, but they don't have that many. Goats are the big money now, not sheep. So this guy's got a hundred sheep. He's a shepherd. He said, uh, if you lost one of your sheep, would you go after him? What's the answer? Yeah. I, I mean, if I lost a sheep, I'd go after him because this is how we make our income. He goes after him. All right, watch this. And when he's found it, he's madder than the, read verse five, when he found it, he's madder than the devil and slaps him and says, I am so tired of going after you. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people think that because they've been taught wrong. A fellow invited me to his church one night years ago. Do I seem like I hack on preachers a lot? He invited me to his church and this preacher was preaching, big shot preacher. And he talked about how God ain't putting up with you no more. And if you run from enough, he'll break your leg. You keep running, he'll cut your throat. I thought, dang, I'm changing to Buddha. I don't want to buy like that. My hand in the air. What does this say? I right, watch this. He's not mad, watch this. And when he finds him, he lays him on his shoulders doing what? Does your Bible say rejoicing? What's the root of the word rejoicing? We'd call it happy. Man's happy, isn't he? He's rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors, says, y'all get excited with me. Rejoice. I found my sheep with his lost. Are we talking about shepherds and sheep here? We talking about furry animals? No. What are we talking about here? Lost We're talking about God and people. Right. Can't you see it? We're talking about God and people. You can tell that by verse seven. I say to you, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who turns to God. Repent just means turn to God. than 99 people who don't. Did you, was that a misprint in your Bible? Did it say joy in heaven? I never think there's joy in heaven. Well, if there's joy in heaven, how come ain't joy in the church? Seem to me like thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know. You go to a bar last night, they're singing and hollering Margaritaville and laughing and cutting up. They're one heartbeat away from hell. We ought to come in church, look like we've been stuffed with a curtain rod and vaccinated with pickle juice. What's the problem here? <laughs> Where should there be joy anywhere except in the house of God? Listen, I don't want you to look at that. Right, what, here, I'm sorry, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting wide in the turns here. What's the message? What's the simple message? Here it is. Can't you hear what Jesus is saying? You preachers are mad about these people. God is excited about people. God is excited about people. What do you think it means if he loses somebody, he goes and he gets them, puts them on his shoulders and rejoices and says what? Now y'all need to get excited with me. Right. Then God's excited about people. So you sure about that? I didn't write this. <laughs> and listen, if your God's not the God that's excited about you, you need to go to the one in the Bible. Right. So brother, I just can't think of God as being excited. I always thought he was real serious. How about wonderful? That's a better word. I'm telling you, we serve an excited God. My father's excited. All right, when my wife told me, said, we, uh, you know, I'm pregnant, we're going to have our first child, I said, crap. <laughs> Think of all the money it's going to cost me. Can't go fishing anytime I want to. Stink this house up. <laughs> that is not what I said. <laughs> Take a wild guess. Man, when I found out, I started to say we, had ba- we didn't have babies. She'll tell you that real quick. She had the baby. When I found out we were going to be parents, I was so excited. Yes, sir. You know what? I didn't know what it meant. I was just so excited. <laughs> and when they got here, I was excited. And I've been excited ever since. I'm excited. Ask me, you want to see pictures of my children? 
You want to see somebody that, that gets off the serious mode real quick? Find what they call a grandparent. Ask them if they got any pictures of the grandchildren. Right. <laughs> Fell asked me, they said, have I shown you the pictures of my grandchildren? I said, no, and I sure do appreciate it. <laughs> well, listen to me. We're excited about our children. Where do you think that comes from? Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father. Here's the message. God is excited about people. God's not mad at people. He's excited about them. All right, number two, watch this. Jesus wasn't done there. Verse eight, he tells another one. What woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, doesn't light a lamp. Now y'all don't understand this. We're not talking about the change in your pocket. A woman got married, she got 10 very valuable coins. That was her dowry. This would be like, this thing was like grandmother's jewelry given to her. Are you with me? So we're not just talking about change. So this is very valuable to her. It's her wedding dowry coins. And, but she loses one of them. All right, what does she do? She lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbors, says, celebrate with me, rejoice with me. I found what I lost. Are we talking about coins and a broom here? Read the next verse. Likewise, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who just turns toward God. What's the message? What's the obvious message? The first one is God's excited about people. If that's it, what's the message here? What's Jesus saying here? People are valuable to God. People are valuable to God. That's the, why would you go searching for something? It's valuable to you. All right, I leave my house every morning with a dollar and four cent and change. It's just this weird thing I got. I have to have three quarters, two dimes, a nickel and four pennies in my pocket. It's just, it's just me. I got other weirdo things like that too. And uh, if I come home at night, you know, I put it, I got a bowl to keep the change in. Well, if I put it back in there and I notice that I'm missing one penny, I ain't lighting no lamp and I ain't going looking for it. Guess why? Now, why would I not go looking for that penny? It's not that valuable to me. Big deal. I got a bunch of pennies. I wouldn't go looking for a dollar. Now, I always carry a hundred dollar bill to give to people. I lose that sucker. We're going to light the house up. I'm going looking for it. I promise you that. But the reason you don't look for it, the reason you don't care about something and go after it is it's not valuable to you. Why did this woman light this lamp and search diligently and spend all that time? Apparently that thing was valuable to her. We're not talking about lamps and women and coins here. God's talking about people. People are valuable to him. Listen to me. You're valuable to God. That's the message he's trying to convey. You're valuable to God. Can you see obviously that these low life crook people were not valuable to those preachers? But they were valuable to God. So I sat with them. All right, number three. You've heard this one before. He said, a certain man, verse 11, had two sons. The younger one said, I want my inheritance now. He gave it to him. He gathered his stuff together, went to a far country. Verse 13, wasted his money with prodigal living. Anybody here ever done any prodigal living? Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> verse 14, he blew through all that cash. And there, let's do this. There was a severe famine in the land. Now, the government went on TV and said, there's no famine in this land, but there was a famine in that land, I promise you. And uh, they began to be in want. They joined himself to a citizen of the country, gonna feed pigs. He would have eaten the pig food. Look, you know what the Bible said? He got so desperate, he would have eaten the pig food, but the farmer wouldn't let him have the pig's food. Wow. How many of you ever been to something that started out good and ended up sucky? <laughs> How many of you would agree with Proverbs 14, 12? There's a way that looks good to start with, but the end result is destruction. So this guy, everything's great, and then all of a sudden his life collapses, it's terrible. All right, verse 17, he came to his senses. He said, my father's servants are throwing food away. I'm gonna get up and go to my father and I'm gonna say to him, I've sinned before heaven and you. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. 
just make me a hired servant. He arose and came to his father, verse 20. All right, watch these words, verse 20. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and said, if he thinks he's gonna come crawling back up here after blowing all my cash like that, I got news for him. No, it doesn't say it was a Baptist deacon, said he was the father. I want to listen to me very carefully. I want you to read verse 20. His father saw him and he felt something. I made me think God has feelings. Most of us have this impersonal deity that can have no feelings except anger. God has feelings. And I want you to look at that verse and tell me, what did he feel? What's the word? Now, compassion's not love. Compassion's that tender-hearted feeling you get. Like when you look at your child or something like that. He felt compassion. I may believe God can feel compassion. All right, this doesn't do a bit of good till we answer the question right. And by the way, here it is for you. I may think God can see you. Let's go deep. Y'all in the back, I can't see you. How many think he can see you back there? All right. No. You got to get this right. When God looks at you, what does he feel? What does the Bible teach? His heart is tender. He feels compassion when he looks at you. You say, you, you don't know what I've done. What did the boy do? What's the matter? Are you not, can you not hear it here? God is not religious. He's God. And this boy, I don't know if you knew this or not because our culture don't teach it. Jesus purposely built this story so that there's nothing a Jewish boy could do to his father worse than what this kid did. He purposely set the story up like that he, you couldn't do anything worse than this boy did. And the father looks at him and feels what? His heart's tender, feels compassion. How does God feel about you when he looks at you? I, I, don't care, I don't care what you do. You said that? I just don't understand that kind of love. Now we're getting it. I'm telling you, God's compassionate. Somebody should write a verse. God is love. But that's not the great message here. All right, so he came to him and he's... Let's read verse 20. His father saw him. He had compassion. He fell on his neck. He kissed him. And the son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father cuts him off. You ever heard of low self-esteem? Right there's where it comes from. Dear ones, listen to me. What do we learn right there? God did not want to hear that boy talk about how screwed up he'd been in the past. When he smiled at him, that was over. Listen to me. Get off your past. It's done. You say, Brother Brian, but what about what the boy did in his past? Look right here at me. What about what Jesus did at the cross to take care of our past? Amen. Right. Can I ask you a question? Is the cross of Christ bigger than your past? Amen. One of the reasons I have, I'm so happy is, praise God, I don't have a past no more. If the man said there's, I'm going to say what he said, this is Hebrews 8, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I take his word for it. Now, the devil will remember them and bring them back. Oh, yeah, will. Old ladies at the church will remember it. I swear they'll remember that. <laughs> they bring mine back all the time. I can't wait to get an email after the 9 a.m. service. You know, first week back on vacation, you're a little loose when you get in the saddle again. Then I had that, I had COVID. I didn't have AIDS. COVID, I had a COVID point. <laughs> Got to readjust here. And then he, was listening. he looked at me, felt compassion. And then the boy tried to talk to God about his past. He cut him off. He said, we don't talk about that. I like this guy right here. Right, and here's the big part. Here's the good part. Verse 22, the father said to him, bring out the best blue jeans I got, put it on him, put a ring on his handle and my best cowboy boots on his feet. I'm going to give him the best I got. But that's not the good part. And the father said, verse 23, bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat 
and be merry. And they began to be glad and they began to eat. What's number three? Can you see it? This, is, this may be the most shocking message and this just made the preacher so angry and people struggle with it. What's the message? God enjoys people. God enjoys people. All right, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you two questions. Have you got anybody you don't like to be around? Aren't we spiritual today? Yes. <laughs> you got anybody you don't like to be around? I mean, not that you're ugly to them, you just don't like to be around them. I don't like to be around people that whine and complain and talk ugly. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm not ugly to them. I don't cuss them out. I'm not mean, but I get out of Dodge quick as I can. Right. I don't the other hand. Have you got anybody you just love to be around? Oh, yeah. If you could eat dinner with one person, who would it be? Don't, don't answer nothing like that, but I hope you're married to them. But if you could sort of like, have you got anybody you just, you just love to be around them? I mean, you just really enjoy it. I got folks like, I love to be around all people, but certain folks you just would love to be around them. All right, if I were to ask God, who would you like to eat dinner with? Is anybody you'd like to eat with and just enjoy? Guess who he'd say? You. Right there it is. What's the only thing the father wanted from this boy? Get back out in that field, make up. By the way, you're gonna pay every dime back you lost on them hookers. (laughs) What's the only thing the father wanted? I want you to come eat with me. You see why this picture of God just exploded the preachers and why people, you see why Philip said, show us what he's like. He said, I've been showing you for two years. You ain't been getting it. Dear ones, if God came to town today, he would call you up and say, let's eat. And he would enjoy it. He said, I can't stomach this. I'm teaching you the Bible. I'm teaching you what he's like. By the way, he created you. By the way, he didn't have to. By the way, he didn't create you to work either because he ain't getting much out of you. He created you for the same reason I created my children. I created, you think I created my children to work for me? Did I get ripped off or what? (laughs) I created my children to enjoy them and have somebody to love. Same reason he created you. What's it called in the Bible when we enjoy God? It's called fellowship. You were called into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. More than you were called to go to church and quit smoking and quit drinking and quit. Listen, my basset hound does all that. He's not a follower of Jesus. Friend, you are called to hear the voice of God and enjoy it. Guess what we're going to do for all of eternity? Does anybody know? I ain't sitting on no cloud like some fat little angel and play a harp. That'd be hell to me. I ain't doing that. We're going to enjoy God for all of eternity. Why don't we just start now? I mean, he's here. He'll be there, but he's here. So the great message is he enjoys people. All right. what, what was the, Jesus walks on the earth. Jesus is God. What did you see in his life? If you've ever read the gospels, what? He loved to be around people. He loved to eat with people. And he would, tell, he would tell them, I've so desired to eat this meal with you. This is God showing that I like being around people. I enjoy being around people. This is the great message that he tried to get across to us. All right. <clears throat> uh, to do, let's go a little bit further here and we'll pull these out of all three. Number four, God wants people to be close to him. He wants people to be close to him. Well, what's that all about in that parable of the lost sheep where he goes and gets them and brings them close? What's that all about? God wants people close to him. What is it about the woman that lost the coin? She goes and gets it and pulls it back. God wants people to be close to him. I didn't want to tell you one of my dreams and it was an unanswered prayer. Anybody ever had a prayer that wasn't answered before? I've had three now in my life. All right, years ago, we live on a farm and it's way, way off the road. It's a long, long quarter. My driveway is a quarter of a mile long down by the field to get to the house, gravel driveway. And I had this dream. My children had this dream and I prayed. I said, Father, this is my dream. 
I'm asking you to do it. I pray in Jesus' name for three trailers right up that driveway one day. One, two, three. And my children will live in them three trailers. I'll live in the big house. All the grandchildren live there. They can come over and eat in the big house every night. 5.30, 5.15, 5.30 in the morning. I can walk out on the porch and say, y'all get up, get up. It's time to get up. <laughs> I can call them and see whether the lights are not on. I call. Now my father-in-law, he lives over that way across the pasture. And five o'clock, he's calling if the lights ain't on at our house. And I, I did, they'll be right there. I have my children right there. That was, my, that was one of my dreams. And I prayed about it. Guess what? Woods. Ain't a trailer, nowhere in sight, and they're all grown now. Well, that prayer didn't come to pass. He said, Brother mine, why would you want your youngins right there on the driveway with you? Somebody tell me. I just love having my children close to me. Dear ones, God loves for people to be close to him. He not so he can fuss at them. He just enjoys people being close to him. You said, this, sound, this sounds more like a dad than God. Why do you think he said, when you talk to me, say, Father. This is the heart of a father that Jesus is trying to get across and to reveal to us how good he is. He wants people close to him. All right. Number five, here's the revelation. Because people are valuable to God, he chases them. He's pursuing them. He's pursuing you. You say, I don't see him nowhere. You don't have to see him for him to be pursuing you. Let me ask you a question. You've had anything good happen in your life? Guess who was behind that? You ever had anything to eat? Guess who opened his hand and gave you every bite? He'd been good to you. You got anybody to love you? Guess who put him there? Have you ever woke up on a beautiful morning and thought it is good to be alive today? Guess who's behind that? Yeah. Do you have a great preacher? Yeah, I got you, didn't I? You saw, see, let me ask you a question. You got a job. Guess why? A lot of people in this nation and in the world love to have your job. The Bible said every good gift comes from the Father of lights. Guess why he's done all this stuff for you? What's behind it? What's behind it? I mean, even know he's the only person in the world that doesn't have to do anything. Everything he does, he does because he wants to. What's behind it? Romans chapter two. Let's get this. Listen to this. Romans chapter two says this. Do you not know it is the kindness of God that brings you close to him? He doesn't beat his children to get them close to him. He didn't give them cancer to get them close to him. It is the kindness of God that brings you close to him, leads you to repentance. I don't love him because he's big. I don't love him because he's smart, although he's real smart. I love that man because he first loved me. Can I teach you something you can use the rest of your life? Because all of us are in the people business. Here it is. Very few people will remember what you say. Nobody will ever forget how you make them feel. You can use that the rest of your life. Matter of fact, if you're in the people business, that's the most important thing you'll ever learn right there. You can, you can download on people and tell them how stupid they are and impress them with your knowledge. Listen to what the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Knowledge makes people arrogant. Love builds people up. And you can fuss at them and it ain't gonna do no good. But if you will love people and care for people and let them know it, they'll follow you off cliff. I, I don't love Jesus because he's smart, although he is. I love Jesus because he first loved me. I don't remember everything he said, especially in Leviticus about how to clean doves before you cut them in half. I didn't read that book no more. But I'll never forget how that man made me feel when I was a sinner and he picked me up and loved me. <laughs> we follow him because he first loved us. Can I go a little further here? All right, let's go deep. Are you ready? Can we go deep for a second? Here we go. I need one amen. All right, here we go. If people are valuable to God, people should be valuable to God's people. 
If God is excited about people, God's people should be excited about people. I ain't getting as many amens right now. It's a pretty good to start with. <laughs> Dear ones, our goal is not to become religious. Our goal is not to become deep. Our goal is to become like that man right there. That man cares about people. He chases people. People are valuable to him and he loves to be around them. <laughs> I told some preacher friends one time, I said, something's wrong here, boys. Everybody runs from y'all. Everybody ran to Jesus. Let's become like him. One more and I'm done here. <clears throat> Now this and this bothers people. What do you pick up out of this whole passage right here? Out of the whole life of Jesus, what do you get up? God is passionate. He's a passionate God. See, we've always thought about this guy that home, home. The Lord is in his holy temple that all keeps a home. Or whatever it is. All this weird, spooky religious stuff where you go in the church and you get real quiet, real serious, and real weird. You know what that's called? Weird. <laughs> Dear ones, can I ask you a question? What did Jesus reveal? Was Jesus this pitiful, sad looking guy like we got him in these pictures on these church walls? Or was Jesus a wild man? Wild man. What about the guy who went in the temple, kicked the tables over and threw the preachers out the door because they were misrepresenting him? Yeah, Where's your mild man or Jesus there? Oh, yeah. What about the guy when the preachers were hammering that poor girl that got caught in a sack with somebody she wasn't married with? He jumped between them and said, back off. You want to talk about sins? Let's talk about your sins. Yep. That'll make preachers disappear when you start talking about their sins. <laughs> and they got out of Dodge when he wanted to talk about their sins. Yeah. What about the man who stood at the grave of his friend and stood there and just wept? I'm telling you, God is passionate. Yes. He's alive. Yes. He, have a good one. This is God. Have a good one. <laughs> the man is alive. He's passionate. True. Let me give you a great revelation. There's this book in the Bible called Revelation. <laughs> it's where we get a revelation. Now, I've heard people say revelations. No, there's not an S on it. It's a revelation. And listen, it's not the revelation of the end of times, although that's in there. Let me give you the whole title. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's what he's really like. You do understand when he walked on the earth in that barred body with that brown hair and them sandals, that was a barred body. That's not what he's in now. Just thought you need to know that. The Revelation chapter one, first thing it shows, what does it say about Jesus? What does he say? I saw him. His eyes were a flame of fire. His eyes were on fire. He said, oh, 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 he caught me. No, it's not the fire of anger. Not like when your old lady catches you doing something stupid. Not talking about that kind of fire in her eyes. Not talking about a Garth Brooks song here. Come on, man. It's the fire of passion. It's the fire of love. You never seen that before? I've stood at, I've married 368 couples in my life and I've stood there and watched them stare at each other and take their vows and I've seen what's in their eyes toward each other. It's not that, hurry up and get this over with, preacher. That ain't what you do at that altar. If they knew what they was doing, they'd get out of it. Here's the deal, they stand there and stare at each other and that girl's looking at him and there's passion in their eyes. That's love. That's the eyes of Jesus. This is a passionate God we have. He's excited, he's passionate about what he does. That's the revelation of this book. All right. Now, we're not going to read it, but if you go a little further in Luke 15, they, they call it the parable of the prodigal son. I don't know why they call it that. It's not in the Bible. It's just in my Bible. Somebody wrote that in later. That's not the original Bible. It's really the parable of the stupid brother. You don't think it is? All right, Jesus is eating with some people. 
bunch of hoodlums and sinners and the preachers get mad. So he tells this parable to the preachers. It's about the preachers, not the prodigals. And the father embraces this boy. He loves him. He kisses him. We celebrate and having a grand time. And all of a sudden his brother hears music and dancing. And as I've told you before, if you're Baptist, that won't be in your Bible because they don't dance. But they were dancing. Stop, preacher. Stop. Don't equate God with dancing. Read it. Turn to Psalm 150 sometime. Read where it says, praise the Lord with the dance. Who wrote that? God wrote the Bible, dear ones. Shock. He likes dancing. I don't know if he likes my kind or not, but he likes dancing. And the, the brother's mad. He's angry. And he's angry. And, he, and the father says, come on in. He's mad. And listen to what he said. I have kept your commandments and I have served you all my life. And you ain't never done nothing for me. How do you know he's religious? His focus is on keeping commandments, serving God, and he's mad about sinners. That's religion right there. All we ever think about is keeping the commandments. I got to work harder down at the church and I'm mad because them people act like dear ones. If all you think about is keeping the commandments and you're mad because they're people like me, <laughs> you don't know Jesus. You need the God of this Bible. Amen. And uh, right in that parable, here's, here's the last thing I want to tell you. Every human being on the planet's in that parable right there in one of three places. You're either in rebellion against God or just running from him like the prodigal was in rebellion. You're eat up with religion. All you think about is having to keep the rules and you're mad because nobody's as good as you are or you're in relationship with the father and you're having a grand time enjoying him. That's only three places any person can be. You're either running from him, you're religious and miserable or you're enjoying the savior. And let me make an announcement. I've been down all three roads I have been the prodigal. I mean, I've wasted all my money on different stuff it should have been spent on. I'm, that's why I'm so thankful to be alive today. I, as a teenager, I'm in parking lots buying drugs from people in tinfoil that they made up in their basement eating the stuff. I'm glad to be anywhere today. I'm just thankful to be alive. I was going to shoot it out with the police one time. I was 15 with a 25 caliber revolver. How would that have gone? See why I celebrate every day. And then unfortunately, the church caught me and made me religious. I was mean. I could call them out. I'd preach against them. I had an aunt one day. She, she said, I liked you better than you was drunk. I did too. At least you get drunk, you get over yourself once in a while. And then I finally, one day I just woke up and I said, this can't be right. It don't line up with what we're reading this book. And I, at 20 some years old, I made, actually 30 some, I made up my mind. I'm going to spend the rest of my life chasing you. And I've made my life the pursuit of God because I want to know what he's like. I want to know everything about him. I want to hear his voice. I, I'm just fascinated with this guy named God. I, let me make an announcement. He's good. Amen. He said, you brought us down here to tell us he's good. How I wish some people knew that. Greatest truth you'll ever know that he is good. All right, let me quit by saying this. I told you that people are valuable to God. You are valuable to God. The question is, how valuable? Well, how do you figure out how, something's, how much something's worth? I'm in this shop with my wife and does being a good husband one day. You all know what that means, don't you? It means you go with your wife in some place you wouldn't be caught dead in if she wasn't there. 
And I don't know why she don't return the favor and go with me to the Bass Pro Shops, but she don't. So anyway, <laughs> we're in this shop and there's this jug sitting on the floor and I jerk that thing up. I said, how much is jug right here? That lady let me know real quick. It wasn't a jug. It was a vase. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? And it was, the cost was $2,000. Ask me if I eased that vase back down to the floor a whole lot easier than I jerked it up with. I wouldn't give $5 for the nasty thing. But apparently somebody would. And I got to think about that later. We look at people and we think, what's wrong with you? Let me tell you something about every human being on this planet. God so loved the world. He gave his son for a chance for them to be his children. We jerk people up and say, you ain't worth crap. He says, wait a minute. My son hung on a cross naked. That's how much they are to me. That's their value to me. All right. If people are that valuable to God, they need to be that valuable to us. And can I throw in the big one here? You need to quit doing like this boy and beating yourself up over the past. If you're that valuable to God, you need to see yourself as that valuable to him. How many people do I know that never say anything ugly about anybody else, but they beat the hell out of themselves. You need to get off your own back. You're valuable to him. And if he came to town today, he would call you up and say, I'm looking forward to having dinner with you tonight. What you think heaven is? It's just an eternal dinner with the precious Savior is all it is. And we have a grand time. You play the harp if you want to. I'm going to be fishing in that river that runs down the middle of the place. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. When the psalmist said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his kindness endures forever. Dear Jesus, I, I don't know where we get this stuff some, from time. This, I think it's maybe dad or some mad preacher. I want to thank you and praise you for the goodness of the Lord. Father, the fear of the Lord may be the beginning of wisdom, but the love of God is the maturity of wisdom. And I want to thank you for everybody in this room. I hope everybody in this room heard your heart today. I hope they would know that we weren't just talking about people, we were talking about them. That you're excited about them. You're valuable to them, to him. That they're valuable to you and that you're pursuing them. And that they just say, if that's who he is, I want him. They'd come to you. Father, I want to pray for my prodigals today that are still out there running. If they're in that place where the money is good and the times are great and they're having a grand time, Lord Jesus, run them out of money and run them out of time so you can get them back to yourself. That's a weird prayer, but I pray you do that for them. And then, dear Jesus, there's people in here, they're on the second row of the prodigal and they have run out of money and they've run out of joy and they're wondering what's it all about. I pray they just, in Jesus' name, smile at them and say, come home. Just come home. Father, I pray for religious folks that are mad and terrible. Everything's bad. And they're just, they're really just mad because it's so hard on them. I pray you just draw them to you. You even came out and pleaded with that elder brother. Won't you just come in and eat with me? I pray for my religious friends. Draw them to yourself. And I want to thank you and praise you. There's no greater calling than to know you personally. And I pray for everybody in this room, they just shit, whatever they do in life. Lord, I fish, I got a job, I got a family, I got a yard to take up, I got a farm to watch. But the pursuit of my life is to know you and to just chase you. I get up every day just looking for you. I pray this is the great journey of the human soul is to go looking for God. Pray for every person in this room, they would live just to pursue you and say, show me who you are. Let me hear your voice. Let me see your beauty all over the earth. Thank you for your goodness. Well, dear Jesus, if there was folks ready to come home and start with you, let's do it right now. 
Friend, as we're praying, you're sitting in here, you're not in relationship with God, you can be. He loves you. You're not here by accident today. I believe God brought you here today. He cares about you. But you have to have a starting point in any relationship. And the starting point with God is with Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father unless they come through me. He spread his arms on a cross and died (laughs) and opened his arms toward you to take you to the Father. If you'll let him, he'll take you to God. God will become your father. Jesus will become your best friend. And if you'll obey him and walk with him and let him run your life, I promise you abundance. I'll just say that. And eternal life. Seated right there where you're at. If you want God to be your father, you want to turn to Jesus, turn away from sin and turn to Jesus. Let's pray right now, just in your heart, something like this. Let me help you. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for me. If it had been nobody else, you'd have done it just for me. I believe that. And I want to thank you for that. Today I turn from my sin. I repent. And I turn to you. Today I declare you are the Savior, the Lord, and the love of my life. Dear Jesus, I don't understand all this, but I don't have to. I just want to follow you. Father, I'm coming home. I thank you for your promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I call on you today, simple faith. And I want to thank you for loving me. I want to thank you for hearing this simple prayer. I want to thank you that I belong to you now forevermore. And nothing can ever change that. And I pray this prayer in the strong name of Jesus, precious, ever-living Son of God. In his mighty name I pray. Now friend, if you prayed that with a tender heart. I want you to raise your hand where I can see it. Raise your hand real high. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all put those down. Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you. Let's fill heaven up so we can get there quick as we can into the new earth. Thank you for your goodness. And I pray for every person in this room more than anything else. Let them hear the voice of the Father in everything. Let them see you in the sunrise. Let them see you in the kindness of God. Let them see you in the rose petals. I pray like David, let us see the beauty of God and know you personally. I trust you for that. May Jesus be glorified in everything, everything we do. In his precious name we pray, amen.